Welcome to Living Well. I'm your host, Mark Ennick. In 2017, I quit my 9-to-5 office job that always ended up occupying more of my time than just 9-to-5, it seemed. I'd been building a speaking, training, and consulting business on the side over the years prior, but I only ever really considered that to be a side hustle, not a real job, as my parents would have called it anyway. I certainly didn't call myself an entrepreneur. I didn't have an MBA, and I didn't hang around startups. I didn't understand what venture capital even was. All things that I thought you had to know in order to call yourself an entrepreneur. All I knew was that my dad had run a small business all my life, working for himself and figuring it out as he went, really. Now, if he could do it, I thought, I certainly could too. <laughs> that first year was a wake-up call. It showed me how hard it really was. It was filled with fear, with failure. But slowly, I think, relatively speaking, I started to get the hang of it. Eventually, I got to the point where I was making more money for myself than I was previously getting from other people, and I was doing exactly what I wanted to be doing. And that's when I think it really clicked for me. That mindset, whether it's a grittiness or a willingness to embrace risk, whatever it was, I finally discovered what I was meant to be doing. And then COVID came, of course, and everything came crashing down. I described that experience in an article that I wrote for CNBC that went viral in 10 minutes and then followed it up with what happened next in a piece for USA Today. I'm not here to talk about myself today, so you can look those up if you want, but all it goes to say that thanks to some luck and the help of some benevolent strangers, thanks to the skills that I'd been learning as a, an unintentional entrepreneur, and I think a mindset defined by grit, everything ended up okay for me. In fact, I'm grateful to have been one of the fortunate few who came out better on the other side of this struggle than when I went in. I'm recapping this story for you today in order to kick off a conversation about money and the role that it plays in our well-being. At so many points in my life personally, both in terms of abundance and of scarcity, for better and for worse, matters of money have impacted my own well-being in profound ways. So I'm curious about both the ways in which it, it has impacted others, as well as some tips and tricks for managing it better, stuff that I wish I had have known at the time. I'm joined today by Jessica Morehouse. Jessica is a millennial money expert, speaker, and accredited financial counselor. She's also the host of the More Money podcast. Jessica, thank you for joining me today. Thank you. Oh my gosh, your story sounds identical to mine. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, are we twins? Let's start there. <laughs> Let's start there then. Tell me about that. What is your story for those who don't know? Yeah. Well, I also quit my job in 2017. So that's funny. Um, that's an odd coincidence. Yeah. I know that's <laughs> odd. And also I was building up my now full-time business on the side as a side hustle. And I never actually wanted to quit my job or uh, yeah, becoming an entrepreneur or a small business owner. Do not have an MBA. I have a degree in fine arts and film production, and it's not even the relevant kind. It was the 16 millimeter, very experimental film. So totally useless. I, I, I did, uh, <laughs> sorry to cut you off, I did philosophy and psychology because I wanted to be equally unemployable in two disciplines. <laughs> go, go ahead. Oh, I'm sure the same. It's the same. Uh, but I, I mean, similar to you, things luckily five years on have worked out for the better. But, you know, I, I think you know, similar to you when COVID really hit, that was a very scary time for me. Cause that was the first time that, uh, anything really tested my business and still like my business is still, I think very new. It's taking me this long to really define what I do, what my business is, um, which is a financial education company. 
But uh, luckily, things have worked out. I mean, I think being in the personal finance space has been actually uh, kind of a blessing during this time because everyone wants to know, oh, my gosh, I've never really paid attention to my finances. COVID hit. I Now this is all I can think about. I need some information. And so it's worked out all right for me. But, yeah, it was, it's been a journey, let me tell you, learning how to run a business and doing you know, what you need to do to be a savvy entrepreneur from scratch because I really didn't have any background in this. Yeah. Now, I wonder how much of this is a is an entrepreneurial mindset, if anybody can do it. And, it, and I was really thinking about this as I was preparing to talk to you about, uh, you know, all the reports that we've seen about the high numbers of resignations and job changes, uh, about wages and working conditions and, and negotiations there, too, um, about the changing nature of work and the future of work. So I guess I'm wondering if this is a great reset. You've heard that term, you know, probably mm-hmm. thrown around or whatever is happening anyway uh, with how people think about their work. Is there a certain entrepreneurial or business mindset that people are starting to bring to themselves as employees, you know, in terms of how they're valuing their time? Absolutely. And honestly, it's really exciting to see because, I mean, I have such a different perspective now that I run my own business. But even still, I was kind of adopting that entrepreneurial mindset when I was doing my side hustle on the side. And I started really just with a, you know, personal blog or personal finance blog rather back in 2011. And it was really just something that I thought was a hobby. And then you kind of realize, oh, there's ways to monetize this. Well, that would be great to earn some extra money on the side, you know, save up for a trip and all these other kind of savings goals. And but it was never like I don't have anyone in my family who is a business owner. Everyone is an employee. So that's what I thought my path was. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. They're like, oh, yeah, I don't know anyone who is a a successful freelancer or a small business, you know, uh, owner. And uh, and so it was really difficult to even think that I could, that I had the ability because I didn't have someone that I had as a mentor, someone I could look to. It was really kind of scary. But personally, I feel like anyone can do this if they want to. It is one of those things where, you know, even though I, I shared I went to film school. I fully intended finishing film school, becoming a famous Oscar-winning filmmaker. I didn't last at like a month. Like I immediately tried to just find a desk job. And I think part of it was like, it's not that I probably couldn't have been a successful filmmaker. My, my last film was actually pretty successful, but I didn't want it enough. I, that's actually not, I thought that's what my passion was. And it wasn't at all because I feel like when you find that thing that gives you that excitement, that makes you feel purposeful, that gives you meaning in your life, You'll do whatever you can to make it work and make it thrive. And so for me, it took me a long time to actually figure out what that was. And oddly enough, it was personal finance. (laughs) (laughs) That's an uncommon story, I feel like. Uh, But, you know, it's whatever whatever lights your fire. And I think this is what's different. I mean, you brand yourself as a a millennial money expert, of course. And I think from what I've seen, uh, that this is a fundamental difference between millennials and older generations, where I guess the archetype or the stereotype maybe of older generations is that you get a job, you work it for the rest of your life, whether you like it or not, whether you're passionate about it or not, you just grind it through because that's what's Mm -hmm. expected of you. Um, So, you know, what about our futures? Is it it fair to say that millennials uh, want fundamentally different futures than their parents did? Absolutely. And I hope we're going to see that. I think we see that a lot with people now. Now we're, it's almost two years since uh, March, 2020. And people are realizing, yes, I can work from home. And guess what? 
I'm, I'm even more productive or I'm just as productive. So, and I have more time because I don't want to have to spend like an hour back and forth commuting. I have more freedom and flexibility. And I think that is something that's not going to go away. I think it's going to be very difficult for companies to force their employees back in the office. Um, and so I think that is a significant change. But also I think a lot of people are realizing a lot of people lost their jobs during the pandemic. And we're kind of forced uh, into an entrepreneurship just out of uh, necessity. And so I think that's also kind of exciting because we're going to see a lot of new startups and businesses or even just freelancers out and about that that didn't, you know, just like you and me, I didn't expect to do this, but here I am and I'm glad I'm doing it. I think there's going to be a lot of people doing the exact same thing and realizing, oh, wow, I am capable of doing this. Yeah. Now, you've been doing this since uh, pre-pandemic, uh, the work that you're doing now, since pre-pandemic and throughout the pandemic, and I hopefully uh, coming out of the pandemic into the post-pandemic period as well. Um, so have you noticed uh, a change in, in what some of the most common goals are that you're hearing from the clients that you work with, the audiences that you speak to? What is it that people actually do want? I think a lot of people are realizing how much time they were giving up. I mean, I remember my last job was very corporate, the most corporate you can be. It was at a law firm. And I look back and I didn't just spend, you know, the eight hours that we think that we're spending. I was always there later because you could never leave the office right at five. Everyone would judge you. It's like, what's wrong with you? Even though if you were very efficient and got all your work done in like half a day's work, doesn't matter. You should stay at least an hour later to prove that you were loyal and that you're a hard worker, which is ridiculous. And then there's the time commuting. And then also the time on the weekends or at night when you get an email or a text message that's urgent from your office. So we're giving up so much of our time. And I think we're kind of trying to take that back and realizing, no, no, I don't owe you something. You owe me something. And also getting rid of, I think, some of the kind of tactics companies use to kind of control their employees. Like I hear, we hear all the time, oh, we're a family. We're not a family. I come here so I can make a living so I can <laughs> hang out with my family. You know what I mean? So I think we yeah. are becoming more certain of what we really want in our lives. And we're starting to actually ask for it because for the first time in forever, we actually have some leverage. Yeah. Jess, I have to take a quick break. Can you hang around and we're going to talk some strategies and tips and tricks for the audience when we come back? Absolutely. All right. I'm Mark Hennig. You're listening to and watching the Living Well podcast for LifeWorks. We'll be right back. We are always moving forward. In our changing world, there is an unchanging principle for success that inspires us by improving a person's life. We'll improve how they perform at work. We are LifeWorks. We're the world's leading total well-being provider. We are innovators with tech-enabled solutions and one integrated platform. We have the scale of a large company with the agility of a startup. We are experts in our sector and are continually learning so that we continue to be valued and trusted partners. Our mission is to improve people's lives by supporting the whole person, their mental, financial, physical, and social well-being. We empower people to prioritize their well-being and help them with challenges at important moments in their lives. We believe this creates happy, healthy, and empowered people. These people 
are the heart of successful organizations, leading these organizations to a more resilient future and making a real difference in the world and in our communities. We are moving forward with purpose, improving lives, improving business. We are LifeWorks. Welcome back to Living Well. I'm your host, Mark Ennick. I'm continuing a conversation with Jessica Morehouse. She's a millennial money expert, accredited financial counselor, and host of the More Money podcast. Jessica, uh, I want to uh, explore this idea of uh, uh, the, the fictional um, ideal that we develop in our heads about how well everybody else is doing. I don't know if anybody else does this, but I certainly do. So give me a bit of a, a picture of, uh, at least according to your understanding, uh, what the actual situation millennials in particular find themselves in right now financially. Uh, and in, in general, you know, are people saving tons of money and they have their retirement all figured out? Or is it more precarious than that? Yeah. So it's been interesting uh, as someone who's a millennial. The reason I gave myself that title is because I'm a millennial. The bulk of my audience is millennials. And so we have a certain language, I think, that we use uh, to talk about our, our experience, especially millennials who experienced the recession and now COVID. Um, we've been through it. And so I think that the biggest thing that I hear from people is that it was hard to get started, to find employment, to get paid like we were told. We were all told, and the, the life checklist that I think everyone's been told from their, their parents or grandparents is to go to school, get an education. That's the smart, you know, smartest thing you can do. And then graduate, get a good job, and then just go up that corporate ladder. And then you'll end up hopefully in like mid-management or even the C-suite. And then you'll have all this money and you'll be able to buy a house, have the pets, get married, have kids, have a cottage, all those things that you're supposed to have. Also, you know, with everything meticulous and new, new wardrobe, new kitchen, all those kinds of things. And that is a beautiful story. That is a beautiful fantasy. But not many people, and I'm in my mid-30s now, not many people can actually realize that, especially if you go that specific route. I mean, looking back, my last job, you know, which was five years ago now, I was nowhere close to that, you know, and I hit 30 uh, in the last year of my uh, employment there. And I remember hitting 30 and thinking I was an absolute failure. Like the only thing I managed to do was get married. And that was actually not one of my plans. I just fell in love with the guy and had to marry him. But otherwise, all the other things I did not do, I was not a homeowner. I, you know, wasn't really in a career path that had growth potential, all these things. So I think a lot of millennials feel like not only was it harder for us to get started. I mean, so many of us we're underemployed or we're working contracts before we can even get that full-time job. No, no one has pensions anymore. And so, and also we have student loans, you know, it's, it just, there's so many things that we have to deal with that I think maybe weren't as big of a concern or struggle uh, as uh, previous generations. And so we are taking a look at this kind of expectation of realizing, well, we can't do that. And I think some, you know, obviously you kind of feel like a failure, but I think now we're kind of recognizing well, maybe it's just that we don't want that, you know, life. Like we didn't even write up that life checklist. Someone gave it to us. So maybe we need to actually define it for ourselves. And a lot of people are like, okay, well, I'm not going to be a homeowner, but I still want to live in the city. I'm going to rent. But instead, I'm going to just invest the difference because it is very expensive being a homeowner. And so, you know, maybe it's just about creating a different life path for yourself. And that's okay. 
Yeah. Now, I mean, you mentioned student loans, of course, and there's credit card debt and lines of credit and, and rent, of course, since more people are renting than and not building up the the um, equity in a home anymore, uh, whether or not that's the, the uh, best decision. Uh, the increasing cost of living, certainly because of the pandemic mm-hmm. and for other reasons, it just feels like sometimes... You can't get ahead, right? So, so yeah. looking at some practical um, strategies, what core steps, I guess, do you typically recommend when counseling people uh, on getting ahead of the debt in particular, just so they can get their head above water and, and start to get to the place where they can save and invest and do some of that other mm-hmm. stuff? Yeah, there's definitely steps that we need to take. And I think a lot of people want to just jump to like step number five or 10 and uh, start investing or or achieving some of those big lofty goals. But the real thing is we got to start right at the basics. And that starts with taking a look at what is actually going on with your finances. Most people have no idea. And so that means, you know, creating a budget, tracking your spending, tracking your net worth, finding out where all the money is, what your spending has looked like for the past three or six months, uh, and taking a good account of where it's going. And, And also your income are we happy with it? I think one thing that I talk a lot about is, you know, we need to negotiate more. Uh, This is the best time to do it. This is also the best time to switch companies to earn more. There is so many stats that show that if you uh, choose to switch companies or even industries, uh, potentially you can earn significantly more than just trying to stick with your employer, be loyal and wait for a raise. I mean, that's certainly my experience. The only times I've gotten a significant pay bump was by moving to a different employer. And so we have, uh, I think, a lot of things that we can do practically. Um, They're not fun. (laughs) I will say that. It's just like the same thing. If you want to lose weight, it's like, okay, well, you know what you need to do. You need to eat better and you need to work out. The same thing is with the, you know, your personal finances. If you want to have a better financial situation, you need to take a look at the numbers. You need to go on the scale and see what's going on. And then you need to start making some kind of tricky decisions, some, you know, unpleasant decisions, but that will uh, benefit you in the future. And that means cutting your spending, seeing how we can increase our uh, income. And it really could make, you know, some, some big decisions happening. Maybe if you're working from home and you have the ability to continue to do so for your employer, maybe it means moving some place outside of the city where there is a lower cost of living. That's something I even considered myself. And, you know, maybe you'll even have like a great, you know, life outside of the city with more opportunities to just flourish. And so I think it's really taking a look at what's going on and then start making a plan for what, what do we actually want? So like I mentioned that life checklist. Okay, let's take a look. What, what do we want in life? What are our goals, our life goals, our financial goals? Does it include homeownership? or does it not? That'll have a big impact on how much you can contribute to your savings accounts and your investment accounts. And then also seeing, okay, what are some really big priorities? If we have some debt, let's kind of organize those and see what what kind of debts are we playing with. Do we have, uh, you know, a car loan, student loan? Do we have a line of credit? Do we have a credit card debt? Those are very different types of debts, and they should all be treated differently. Obviously, uh, the best thing you can do is to attack your high interest debt first. And then, honestly, since we're in such a low interest environment, I feel like with those other debts, the you know car loans, student loans. I don't think you really need to worry about paying them off aggressively. Then again, it's a personal choice. So if you really want to just get rid of that, you know, item uh, in your budget because it's you know a monthly charge every single month, you just want to get rid of that, then make that your priority. But uh, I always say, especially with what's happened in the past couple of years, the best thing you can do to set yourself up uh, for financial security is to prioritize having an emergency fund. Um, which is yes, you're in a low interest environment, so you're not going to make a ton of money on your savings, but you know, when something happens, you don't want to have to get into debt to pay for that situation. So having uh, an emergency fund is such a, such an important thing to do. 
Yeah, well, when uh, everything fell apart for us at the beginning of the pandemic, we had uh, three months saved. And there was so much mm-hmm. guilt and shame associated with that. I didn't realize at the time until I opened up about it in such a public way that most people didn't even have that much uh, mm-hmm. saved, that people tend to have very little savings. Um, it really forced us, I think, in many ways to do exactly what you're suggesting, to actually take an intentional look at our budget. And that reminds me so much of uh, of people getting their own lives and their mental health in order as well. So much yes. of what we live right now is accidental uh, or unknown. And, and really taking that intentional process can shine a spotlight mm-hmm. on it, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, honestly, one of the things that I started doing was seeing a a therapist during COVID and that was the best thing that I can do. And that's another thing to think about. Although I was giving some, you know, practical things that you can do, uh, right away. One thing that I think a lot of people don't think about is getting some mental, uh, help, uh, professional, uh, mental health help. And that's because actually finance and, and your personal finances are so closely tied to, gosh, just how you grew up, um, you know, your overall mental health and stability, your emotions, there's a lot of deeper stuff that's going on there. Um, It's not just about setting up a budget. It's like, well, why are we spending our money in that way? Maybe we need to kind of dive a bit deeper and see like, where does that stem from? Or even what I see a lot of is having a certain mindset with your money. I come across so many people saying, well, I'll never be able to uh, save that much or earn that much. I can't, I grew up poor and I'm going to, you know, continue to be that way. Well, I didn't come from money. I'll tell you that right now, but it does kind of instill the risky mindset. You're terrified of losing it all. I don't know where that comes from. Honestly, sometimes it's like generationally ingrained in you. And so you need to work to work, like understanding that, recognize how is this affecting me today? And also is this you know, negatively my future prospects. Maybe you won't feel as inclined or confident to ask for a raise or to move companies or start your own business to earn more money because you don't feel like you're worthy of it. Yeah. No, well, let's let's stay with that for a second. Let's talk jobs and those moves that people are making now more than ever before. I mean, I took the plunge a couple of years ago, as you did do, went solo, but I didn't do it blindly. I had an income stream on the side. Granted, it mm-hmm. needed to be cultivated and grown, uh, but I wasn't just trusting the universe and, and launching into it. Mm-hmm. So given that so many people now are opportunistic, uh, as they should be, uh, about moving jobs or starting that business or whatever it might be, what, what steps or what things do you think they need to have in place before they make that kind of decision based on both your experience as a financial advisor, but also your personal experience of having done it yourself? Mm-hmm. Well, the biggest thing for sure, like before I left my job, I had a very sizable emergency fund, um, which would float me for my personal bills, but also any kind of future expenses. So basically, I had about a year's worth of expenses saved up. So if I dime for that one year, I knew I could pay my current kind of business expenses. Again, I started my business as a side hustle and then my personal expenses. So that's number one, having some cash so you don't run into debt. Um, but also, I think the key thing that you and me both did, which did help, was we didn't just quit our jobs, then figure out what our business was going to look like. We started that on the side and then slowly kind of built that up to a point where we're like, okay, I feel like if I quit my job and put full-time hours into this, I could probably make a full-time salary or even more so. And now I'm in a position too, where my uh, income is significantly more than the job that I left. That is kind of the goal. That is always the goal is to make not just what you're leaving, but more. And also hope working in a job and doing something that you absolutely love, but you need to have those kind of, you know, that financial foundation set up. Another thing I would suggest is 
really getting comfortable with uh, some of the not so fun things being a business owner, like taxes and bookkeeping and accounting. (laughs) And so for me, I know no one wants to talk about that, but honestly, it's like, that's the thing that I see people do wrong is they're like, oh, it's end of the year and they have no idea how much they earned, mm-hmm. what their business expenses are, and they didn't set anything aside for their taxes. Um, and then they don't realize, they're like, oh, like in my last job, the employer just paid it for me. So like, yeah, you're an employee. When you're your own business, you need to pay your own income tax. You also need to see if you need to register for sales tax for your business, depending on where you're operating and how much business revenue you're uh, doing. And so that could be a good uh, reason why you should connect with an accountant. That was the best thing that I did my first year, because then I can ask her all the questions that I had, because I really didn't know what I was doing. Jessica Morehouse. Jessica is a millennial money expert, uh, speaker, uh, an accredited financial counselor. counselor rather, uh, She's also the host of the More Money podcast. Where can people find you, Jessica? Yeah, well, you can find me on every podcast platform at the More Money podcast. You can also find me uh, at jessicamorehouse.com. And lastly, make sure to follow me on Instagram at Jessica I. Morehouse. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today, Jess. And thank you for listening to and watching the Living Wall podcast for LifeWorks. You can listen, watch, like, and subscribe to us wherever you get your audio and video podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and everywhere else, also like livingwellpod.com. You can connect with me, at Mark Hennick, on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn, and let me know what you thought of our conversation today. I've been your host, Mark Hennick. Until next time, take care and live well. <laughs>